Our sermon scripture today is the second chapter of 1 Peter, beginning at verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. My name is Brian Telzerow, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fifth. And we are continuing our series on Against the Tide. And today's message is entitled, Living Well Under Authority. And I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk a little bit about Queen Elizabeth II, who died to this life this month. And if you followed any of the media presentations regarding her life, you know that at the 21st birthday, she, uh, in 1947, she made a declaration, the Queen's Declaration, if you will. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Now, there has been no doubt that she has fulfilled her duty as a servant to her dying day at age 96. Now, she could have relinquished her role to her son Charles at any moment over the last couple of decades. But I believe that she knew the sacrifice and the joy that it takes to live a life of servitude that she continued and wanted to do so until her last days. No doubt. I believe that uh, she heard the words of our Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. Queen Elizabeth lived a good life. Now, I heard somewhere that uh, someone had stated that she was uh, worth somewhere about $9 billion. Now, how hard can it be to live a good life with $9 billion? But the reality is there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that comes with that. And her life was difficult at times, clearly, uh, both in her family as well as within regards to her leadership uh, for the country and for the commonwealth. But she did not use her power uh, and, um, to, and her wealth to live a recluse life. She lived as a servant to the very end of her days. 
And if you watch the funeral at all this past Monday and all of the events throughout, uh, you know that her faith was very strong in Jesus and in God's word. Well, whether you are a public or a private person, we all face enormous challenges in life. And so, what about us? Peter makes a charge that each of us should live such a life of service no matter the resources at our disposal. Peter's declaration in this passage, he calls us friends and describes us as foreigners and aliens. Here in verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and aliens. Well, in my 19 years, or excuse me, 18 years of teaching at Kuiper College, I had one particular class that I opened every session of that class with a reading from Rick Warren's 40 Days of Purpose and the Purpose Driven Life. And so I got very familiar with these 40 days uh, of writing. And the sixth day, he writes about, or it's entitled, Life is a Temporary Assignment. And he says, to make the best use of your life, you must never forget two truths. First, compared to eternity, life is extremely brief. And second, the earth is only a temporary residence. The Bible uses terms like alien, pilgrim, foreigner, stranger, visitor, and traveler to describe our brief stay on earth. Now, I have a particular person that I have on my playlist, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Some of you may recognize that name, but he has a song uh, that he has, uh, that I say that's on my playlist, that's called We Are Not Home Yet. And the first couple of verses and the chorus sounds like this. Oh yeah, to all the travelers, pilgrims longing for a home, from one who walks with you on this journey called life's road, it is a long and winding road. From one who's seen the view and dreamt of staying on the mountains high, and one who's cried like you, wanting so much to lay down and die, I offer this, we must remember that we are not home yet. We are not home yet. Keep on looking ahead. Let your heart not forget that we are not home yet. Indeed, we are not home yet. We are travelers on a journey to a heavenly destination. Well, Warren continues on in this particular chapter on this life as a temporary assignment, describing a situation where we become an ambassador of another country. So imagine we learn the language, the customs, the practices, and we become comfortable with this foreign country, and then we fall in love with it. So much so that we prefer it to our homeland. Our role as an ambassador would be compromised. Instead of representing our home country, we'd start acting like the enemy. We would become traitors. Now the Bible says that we are Christ ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 unpacks that. Sadly, many of us have betrayed our king and our kingdom. For me, this betrayal happens all too often. Uh, driving in my car, playing golf. Uh, I get so wrapped up into my own agenda, in my own desires to succeed or to do well, in, in my own comp competitive nature sometimes, that I lose sight of my own citizenship in heaven. It's not pretty. 
Peter says, we have foolishly concluded since we live on earth that earth somehow is our home. But it's not. Peter makes it clear. We are foreigners and exiles. Rick Warren continues saying that in order for us to keep from becoming too attached to the earth, God allows us to feel a significant amount of discontent or dissatisfaction in this life. Longings that will never be fulfilled on this side of heaven. We're not completely happy here because we're not supposed to be. Earth is not our final home. We are created for something much better. So that when we die, we will not leave home. We, will, we won't leave home. We will go home. And so then Peter declares, live such good lives then among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he comes to visit us. Even as a foreigner, we are called to live good lives. Well, I couldn't help but wonder, what would the internet say about what a good life looks like? And so I looked it up, and I got 15 simple traits of a truly good person. And here they are. They are, you're honest in relationships. They compliment others when deserved. They call upon their parents, or they call their parents regularly. Now, I had to pause a little bit on this one, because I, I remember seeing a, a YouTube video of Steve Harvey on Family Feud, where they asked the question, how often should you, do you call your parents? And one of the contestants said, once a month. And he stopped. He said, what? Once a month? You should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, and I thought, uh, clearly, uh, regularly doesn't mean once a month, uh, according to Steve Harvey in this. But, uh, they call their parents regularly. They are polite. They're kind to everyone. They're generous with their belongings. They remember their manners. Now, unfortunately, our kids aren't here. Uh, but that's true for all of us as well. We remember our manners. Opening the doors, saying please and thank you. Um, trying to serve one another wherever we can. We, remove our, we remember their manners. They think of others. They go the extra mile. They're kind to loved ones. They smile. They make the best out of every situation. They make friends easily. They don't take things for granted. And they are consistent. Well, there you have it. That's the list. That's what it takes to live a good life, according to the internet. Uh, well, living good lives certainly maybe entails some of these traits, but there's so much more that Paul, Peter is telling us. Our good lives are to be a testimony to those who want to speak ill of us, of our faith, and perhaps might even work as an invitation to get to know the God with whom we serve. Well, our good lives should be seen by our neighbors and certainly by those in authority over us, our bosses, our public officials, our coaches, our teachers, our principals, as well as our grocery clerks, the driver in the car in front of us, the kid at the school who appears not to have any friends. But it also includes other people in our foursome. Yeah, that's speaking to me. If you look at that picture, do you notice who I'm standing next to? That's Alice Cooper. Now, when I asked Lindsay, she said, who's Alice Cooper? So I recognize not everybody knows who Alice Cooper is, but uh, he's a rocker, uh, wrote the song Schools Out. You, you might recognize that most famous name, uh, song. He'd said that they close every concert with that song. Well, they were in town this week. They had a concert on Wednesday, and they showed up to the course where I coach my teams. 
and uh, they were there for nine holes in the morning of the day of the concert. And a friend of mine was with them, and he said, come on over, I want to introduce you. So I, ended, I got to, to meet Alice Cooper and his band members. And then he said, hey, they're coming back tomorrow morning. Would you like to join them? Uh, yes, I said. <laughs> so at 8.30 the next morning, I got to play nine holes with Alice Cooper and two of his band members. What a great treat. Alice Cooper, his, he made it clear. He says, I gave up drugs and alcohol for a whole nother addiction called golf. Uh, and so he lives his life. He's a believer now and uh, lives his life just trying to serve and just to enjoy God's experiences. And one of those is being able to play golf. Well, about uh, in the middle, uh, towards the end of the round, we were talking about all kinds of things. And one of his band members, Chuck, in that group, turned and asked me, he says, hey, besides coaching, what else do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he rolls his eye, he goes, no wonder you're so nice. <laughs> Get this though, we're on the golf course. And he said that about me. <laughs> that was a highlight of the whole experience for me, was that uh, Chuck saw me as a nice person on the golf course. Well, again, living good lives has so much to do with how we treat one another. And these guys love to talk about golf. Uh, they were all about that. I was trying to pepper them with questions about other things, but they were loving that. We were just having a time just to help and encourage each other with the things that were happening in life. So one of the biggest indictments, unfortunately, in the church is, over the last number of decades, is how the world now sees we, the church, or believers, how we treat one another. It hasn't been pretty. We should be the most grace-filled, happy, and joyful people on the planet. Now, I remember Becky asking me a question one day. Becky is my wife, for those that don't know. Uh, she asked me, how are you doing? Well, and I said, great. And she said something to me that I've never forgotten. She said, have you told your face? <laughs> yeah. I'm great. I said, with a big smile on my face. Well, Peter says, living good lives also includes not only the smiling, but also submission to the authorities in our world. And it might even be considered a spiritual discipline, if you would. Because we as human beings are not good at submitting. How many of us have said one way or another, you're not the boss of me? And if you have any older siblings, you probably have said that. Um, but the reality is, I feel like I can do what I want when I want. But the world and our families are watching us, even as, our, as adults. How do we respond to the authority in our world? Take a note of the conversations maybe we have around the dinner table about our bosses or about the officer who pulled us over during that week in some way, shape, or form. How do we respond to the authority in our world? Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudice. Then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make your master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, wherever they, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries of keeping order. Now, the motivation for living a good life is not to gain God's favor. We already have that by his grace. But we make him proud by being good citizens. Who of us does not long to hear the affirmation from our Father? 
So live good lives as an example to those who don't know him, that they might wonder about us and why we are the way we are, even when bad things happen. Live a good life to bring honor to God. Yes, it might include the traits I described early, earlier, but it also means that we might take an attitude of a servant in the way we live life. Peter continues by saying that we should live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Wait, live free as a slave? That seems like an oxymoron. How do you do that? Well, yes, we are called to live a life of freedom in Christ. We are so blessed in this country. We have so many to thank for the freedoms that we have in this land that we live in. But our freedom has more to do with Jesus than it does with the wars that have been fought. Jesus is the one who makes us truly free. We are not to use our freedom to indulge our sinful nature as a cover-up for our evil desires, Peter says, but to do what, or to do whatever we want whenever we want. The Apostle Paul writes it this way to the church in Galatia. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in the keeping of this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.13 Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. John 13.35 So serve those around you without singling anybody out around this place. There are many people who are engaged in loving service. Our neighborhoods, as well as in our communities. As I think this morning, we had a handful of folks greeting. We have some that were setting up for coffee and snacks here uh, later uh, after the service. There are people here Wednesday night getting ready for the evening meals. There are volunteers upstairs uh, that are serving our kids. There are folks that sing and uh, do things here in worship on a regular basis. There are opportunities to serve all over the place. And if you're not engaged in service, I encourage you, I I beseech you, there's a word for us, contact me. Let me help you get connected for ways to be able to serve here or looking for places where you can serve in the community. Um, you know, our landscaping around the area, the gardens around the area, have folks that are, are volunteering to make those kind of things happen. And know that our neighbors in this area see that. And they see what's going on. And you are being praised for the way that you are demonstrating God's love in your life by your service. Paul Cedar in his commentary on 1 Peter says this, the freedom or liberty which comes from Christ cannot be used as an excuse for sin. So as soon as we misuse it for those ends, we shall lose it. And once again, we get entangled with a slavery of sin. Authentic freedom. Authentic freedom, he says, is ours only when we walk in the Spirit. Only when Jesus Christ is reigning as the Lord of our lives. Eugene Peterson again translates verse 16 saying that we are to exercise our freedom by serving, not by breaking the rules. This is how we can be free and a slave at the same time. The word for slave in this translation can also be uh, 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 translated as servant. We live best, free best by serving. 
Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. The Queen of England's service to her country is a testimony to the presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. Perhaps we might consider a similar pledge of servitude to our God and King as a testimony to his lordship in our lives. Those who serve are truly good people. This is what living a good life looks like. And then finally, Peter says that we should show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor our authorities. (coughs) Now, I could probably spend the next 20 minutes just on this verse alone, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, But there are some things I want to draw out from this. Show proper respect for everyone means everyone. Everyone. Think about that. Paul Cedar again states in his commentary on Peter that the word honor used in verse 17 here is the same word translated for us as respect. The Greek word timeo is the same word Jesus uses in telling us to honor our father and mother in Matthew 15. And that we should honor the son even as we honor the father in John 5. This is the mark of authentic Christian lifestyle. That we would honor all people as the Lord does. We never violate others nor use them as objects. We are to love and to honor them. So don't look down on anyone. But do your best to appreciate one another as one of God's beloved sons and daughters. Now, I found, for me, one of the best ways to follow this charge by Peter is to learn someone's story. We often criticize where someone is in their faith before we appreciate where they've been. We are all travelers on a journey, clearly not home yet. So respect everyone, remembering that we are all in process. Next, love the family of believers. If there's any place where someone should feel and experience God's love, it should be among other believers. It should be right here in our own communities. Again, they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Now, I don't presume this to be easy. Some of us are easier to love than others, even in our own families. So why is that? Perhaps it's because our sin nature comes out at times, Or maybe it's because we know that we're still in process. We're not there yet. So, work at being someone whom people want to be around. Someone who is kind and generous. Someone who is friendly and consistent. Someone who smiles when they say they're doing great. If you're wondering at all about how you can be a better lover of believers, just ask those around you. How am I doing? What, how can I do this better? What do you see in me that I could improve being an ambassador for Christ in our community together? I once had a good friend tell me, tells, when you get upset at the golf course, you're being extremely selfish. And that hit me between the eyes. I don't want to be that way. And I still struggle with this. And I'm working at doing so about being the nice guy on the golf course. So look for ways where you can improve 
living good lives and serving for God's purposes. Lastly, Peter says, fear God and honor those in authority. Fear here is all about reverence. Be in awe of his presence. Worshiping God is a way to show your fear. He is deserving of our awe and our reverence is the God who loves us. We need to proclaim the Lord high and lifted up in all of his glory and might and then to bow in awe in his presence to revere and to worship him whenever we possibly can, not just in this place, but throughout our days. I had a worship experience even this week because I, that time that I was on the course early, that's when a storm came through. And I get my exercise this way early in the morning to get out and play a quick round. Well, the storm had cleared and the clouds were moving east and the sun was coming up over one of those clouds. I should have given you a picture of this because it's worth seeing. It, I was in awe of God's creation and the beauty of his care and his love. So look for ways to worship God throughout our days. Living well under authority is what we have titled this passage and this message today. So here's a few questions for us to reflect on as our response time. When people in this world look at our lives, those who believe in Jesus and call him Lord, do they see someone who has a servant's heart? One who looks to put others' needs before their own? Do they see someone who submits to authority even when we don't agree for the sake of God's kingdom and purposes? Do they see someone who exercises their freedom by serving God and not by breaking the rules? Jesus came to be served, not to be served, but to serve. How about you? How about us? Do they see someone who treats everyone with respect and with dignity. This includes Republicans and Democrats, LGBTQ, the wealthy and the poor. Do they see someone who loves their spiritual family? It is by our love that others will know that we are his disciples. And do they observe someone who reveres God and respects authority? Is your worship with all of your heart? Are you honoring those in authority? I close with this. We are to live free as God's servants so that others may see our lives and glorify God in heaven. Serving others is going against the tide of today's culture. So when we love as God loves us, we give testimony to his grace, his mercy, and an invitation to others to be his sons and daughters. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.